Hey, you're listening to Just Say the Word. I'm your host, Erin Sanchez, and this is a storytelling podcast. In every episode, you'll hear a story from me or my guests from around the world. Then we'll encapsulate a key lesson from that story in just one word you can apply in your own life or business. If you're an entrepreneur looking to get inspired and make your mark on the world, you're in the right place. Your story is your legacy, and I want to help you tell it better. Visit candidlyerin.com for more writing, communications, and personal branding advice. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us this week. I have a guest who I'm excited to learn more about. This is actually the first time we've spoken, so a lot of my guests, you know, we already kind of know each other beforehand. Um, Today's guest is Adam Gearlock. He is the owner and operator of Adam Gearlock Coaching, a leadership and personal development resource for high achievers in high-stress careers and environments who are looking to meet life's challenges with grace, while growing into the leaders and people they choose to be. And I'm really excited to speak with you today, Adam, because I, you know, stalked your website, of course, (laughs) like a good podcast host, and you're doing a lot of really cool things, and you've done a lot of really cool things, and you kind of made these pivots in your life, and really excited to share that story. So thanks for joining today. Yeah, thanks so much for for having me, Erin. I'm uh, happy to be here and grateful to be on. Yeah, so tell us first... Um, how, so tell us, I guess, first about your background, because I think that's really important for the story and you do a great job of kind of laying your story out for people on your website. Um, so I'd love to hear it, you know, from your, from your mouth. (laughs) For sure. So, um, you know, my career started in, in division one men's college basketball and, uh, I coached division one men's college basketball for 10 years total. Um, first at Rice University and then at Cornell University and, um, that's what I wanted my life to be and my path to, to look like. Um, I was the youngest assistant coach in the country when I was first promoted at Rice. I was the age of 23. Um, I think it was in 2009 when I was first promoted to an assistant coach. And, you know, these are, are jobs that are few and far between. You know, there's 353 Division One institutions in college basketball, and you have a head coach and three assisting coaches on each staff and so there are a variety of support staff roles and I started off my career as a student manager um, while as an undergrad at Rice moved into a video coordinator role and uh, and then an assistant coaching role um, for Ben Braun who was our head coach at the time. Um, I worked for Mike Rhodes for a couple of years at Rice as well as a video coordinator and then moved on to Cornell University where I served uh, as an assistant coach there. I'm in the Ivy League for two years for Brian Earle. Um, and then, you know, my life and, and I underwent, you know, kind of a, a dramatic shift in, uh, in priorities uh, and values for, for myself and, you know, experienced, a, you know, a large transformation that led to me wanting to serve others in a different capacity um, that ultimately led to, to where I am now after a, a long and winding journey, um, mm-hmm. so to speak, that's brought me into um, leadership and personal development coaching. Cool. So, all right. There's so much that we can <laughs> dive into and unpack there. So, um, so you were on this path that you had, this was like your dream. This was your big goal, right? Like you were like, this is what I'm going to do. And um, uh, well, first, I guess I should ask you, like, are you the visionary type that's like, you know, you lay things out like 10 years in advance and you know where you want to go. And this was on that map or kind of tell us a little bit about how you got to be the youngest division one coach. Yeah, for, for sure. You know, th- this was a dream I had since I was 10 years old and, you know, I grew up playing basketball and I, I always loved 
basketball and you know I wasn't blessed with uh, tremendous uh, genetics um, <laughs> you know 510 and not, and not very athletic um, but um, uh, I was r- fortunate to be raised by parents who um, you know taught me you know how to how to think the game and invested in, in in those side in that side of my you know athletic endeavors as well um, but I loved basketball and wanted to be a coach since I was 10 years old um, you know and I had laid all laid out all these uh, markers or checkpoints for me um, along the path to in order to do that um, so it started with being a student manager at Rice and working for the program there um, you know and then uh, trying to figure out a way in order to you know to achieve this goal that I had and you know my my plan was to to be a coach and to work in college basketball for for as long as I could um, so I'm not sure if I'm the visionary type but I, I was definitely one to to sit down and plan and say this is what I wanted to do and um, I think for the most part I've always you know kind of had some sort of passion that's drawn me forward and um, or pulled me forward and uh, you know I'm fairly lucky in that regard because I know it is a little bit um, you know tougher for some other people who, who don't have that um, but certainly when that um, you know when that piece of my identity was kind of pulled away from me it left me in a bit of a vacuum so to speak and so it was something that while I didn't struggle with earlier in my life it certainly did present issues as I was making that transition for myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I asked that because I think it's, it's important to, well, for me anyway, that was, that was stood out to me from your story was that here was this thing that you were going after, right. From the time you said like you were a kid and then something changed for you and, and now you're on a different path. So what was that moment of change or what was what maybe it wasn't a moment what were you know a series of moments what kind of changed for you why did you start questioning the path you were on yeah there there were two things or there are two things that stand out to me you know along my path that forced me to kind of reconsider everything about my life and what I had been doing um, and the first was you know I got passed up for jobs that I thought I deserved um, I went up to Cornell with the hope of it being kind of a stepping stone and I'd be able to take that next leap in my career um the path you know the college basketball is um you know is a very uh traditional career if you will and you put your head down and you work hard and remain loyal and hopefully that's repaid you know to you further down the line um and so i had uh, taken that step to you know to cornell in order to get more experience and uh recruiting experience and, and being on the floor coaching with the hopes that it would be repaid down the line and when there were some opportunities for jobs that um, I thought I had earned I thought I had deserved I thought I had you know remained loyal in that respect um, those weren't uh, repaid to me so that was very difficult for me to deal with Um, as a result of that you know I reached out to a lot of people who were close to me in the business and uh, for advice and hey like what do I do now you know I'm going to be here another year like what do I do how do I make sure that this doesn't happen the next year, looking for tools, tactics, strategies, whatever it could be. Um, I was always known as a hard worker and kind of a grinder in the profession, and that had been my calling card, so to speak, uh, as a relentless worker. And you give a task to Adam, and he'll be able to to get it done. Um, and those close to me in my circle kind of just gave me similar advice: work harder, recruit more. Um, and saying that to someone who already works hard, and you can see how that might be. Um, you know, not the best formula. Um, I was in a long distance and long-term relationship at the time as well. And someone who, you know, we had planned a future 
together and, uh, you know, had, uh, in, you know, envisioned that life for ourselves. And, you know, from, um, you know, and I had asked her parents for permission to marry her as well. And like, we were moving towards that direction. And that happened in May. And then in August, we were separated. So you can see how quickly that shift took place. And, you know, obviously, there were, you know, there are cracks in, in the relationship, and nothing happens that quickly. Um, but those two things combined with being passed up for jobs, and then kind of how, um, what I did as a result was just to put my head down and work more and work harder, you know, expose the, those cracks into, you know, into, um, you know, deeper cuts that, you know, could no longer be repaired. Um, and so, you know, after that happened, I, you know, I, I looked around and I was in, you know, I was away from my family and friends, you know, in a place that I didn't enjoy. I was um, the least healthy of like my career. I was out of shape. I um, didn't like what I was doing on the day-to-day -day basis. I didn't like where I was and just kind of everything about kind of who I was and what I wanted my life to look like and what I thought it would be had kind of, you know, blown up in my face a little bit. Um, and so it was, you know, those are the two things that stop me to pause and look around and just say like what is going on um and you know w what do i do about this um mm -hmm. but the first question is like just like what's going on here um, yeah so those were the two events yeah yeah okay so yeah that's big and life-changing and how how old were you if you don't mind me asking because you mentioned how old you were when you got started yeah i was uh i want to say maybe 27 i think i was 27 or 28 at the time um i'm okay. 30 now um so yeah. you know two three years ago i think the fall of 2017 um you know was when uh you know that that personal transformation and change um started occurring Okay. I ask because I went through and I, and a lot of my friends, it's so, I don't want to say it's funny, but you know, um, interesting that I remember saying like, I'm having like a quarter life crisis. And now I see people who are, you know, a little bit behind me age wise who say the same thing. And so that was just a personal curiosity, kind of like, is that when we're kind of going through other, you know, changes and pivots in our own um, being as adults and kind of like heading into our 30s? So I was, I was just curious. Um, so what was the first thing you did when you started realizing, you, you asked that question, like, what, what is happening? What is going on? What was your first way of like coping with it? Or kind of what did you start doing to figure out what was going on? Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, like, I mean... Okay. Absolutely. And, and what I'll highlight in something that you said as well is that like quarter life crisis moment. And like, you know, I think it is like very legitimate. Like there's, uh, you know, and I, I experienced that as like my, um, like outer representation of my being started changing and others started reaching out to me with like similar, you know, like questions and concerns and, and reflections. And, and I've seen that um, time and time again is like in the work that I'm doing and with my friends from from high school and from college and and in basketball as well you know I, you know I think some some high achieving careers and um, you certainly expose them more than others where uh, but I think it's certainly something that you know that that does exist um, but one of the the first step that I took um, in my journey of just saying like what's going on here is I just I wanted to to return to to things that made me happy and that were simple things, you know, because I found that I was like generally an unhappy and like miserable person, and I didn't enjoy that about myself. Um, and so, it was returning to low level things that um, that helped to make me happy. So, first one was getting back in the gym and like working out more. You know, I'm a CrossFitter and coach CrossFit part time now, 
Um, but that was something that always, uh, that I always enjoyed. So it was getting back in the gym more. Um, I always enjoyed cooking. So it was cooking more. Um, I lived in Ithaca, New York, which is an absolutely beautiful area. And you have uh, hikes and waterfalls and gorges, like all within 25 minutes, like within a 25 minute drive. And you can, you know, drive 20 minutes away and you're outside of the, the you know, the town there and, um, you know, very much by yourself. So I started going out hiking um, once a weekend and just exploring the area as well. Um, and reading as well was a, another big thing that, you know, I had all these books that, you know, I neglected over my first year at Cornell because I was recruiting and working and doing things that I considered to be more important. Um, and so you, you look at those, you know, four things, reading, hiking, uh, cooking, you know, kind of uh, working out, but just in general things that, that brought me joy and things that, you know, helped, helped me to be happy. Mm -hmm. Those are very, it's, it's just so funny to hear you say that because those are the exact same things. Uh, maybe not cooking so much because for me, I felt like it was something I had to do. I was already right. married at that point. I'm like, oh, I got to make dinner. But it was the same kind of things for me. I had always loved being in the gym. And then I let that go. Like, right, I wasn't in that great of shape. And, and that's kind of like when everything started coming together for me too. I was like, what are the things that I'm not doing anymore that I love? And it's those same exact things you just mentioned, reading, being outdoors, getting back in the gym. So um, I feel like this is going to be, you know, we kind of sometimes feel like we're alone in the this, but then you start mm -hmm. talking to people and I bet a lot of people listening will be like, yeah, me too. That's exactly what I went through or, you know, very similar experience. So you started doing these things to to just be happy again, just to do the things that fill you up. Um, what was sort of the next, like, did you start questioning your career and saying like, this isn't for me or like, what did that progression look like? Yeah. I mean, there, there was a certain point where I certainly did question my career um, just because of the nature of uh, competitive athletics and its association as something that's being like, that requires um, a lot of work. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I think the, the judgment made a lot of times is that like, Hey, if you're going to do this, like you can't have anything else in your life. Um, and so I was certainly like worried about that. Um, through the course of my second season at Cornell, I saw that was untrue. You know, I invested time in a lot of other areas, my personal health and, and well-being, um, you know, relationships, areas outside of basketball. And we enjoyed the most successful season Cornell had in eight years, you know, and then personally as well, it was the most my, it was the most uh, fulfilling year of my career. Um, the relationships with the with our players um, were better and more fulfilling for both of us. The players that I worked with got a lot better, more so than in previous years. I recruited at a higher level. Cornell made the Ivy League tournament for the first time, and um, for the first time, uh, you know, in the in, in the league's um, you know existence of the tournament, and it was the first time Cornell had finished in the top half of the league in eight years as well, um, you know, a mark that, that hasn't, you know, been reached for them since then. And so, you know, I, I knew that the two were compatible, um, but, uh, you know, but, you know, there, there was that questioning going on of like, hey, do I want to continue doing this or has my mission and purpose evolved into something different? Mm -hmm. um, and over the course of the year, you know, I was seeing that um, while I was, uh, you know, I was just seeing the way that, that my mission and purpose was changing along the way. Um, you know, it wasn't that college basketball and who I was becoming and, you know, what I was doing was certain was, was different or incompatible. Um, but it was the de desire to, to move towards something different. Um, you know, I think that came up for me throughout the, 
throughout that second season. Mm -hmm. So what were you doing? So, I mean, I know a lot of the things that we talked about that are like personal fulfillment are also personal development. I'm sure that like when you're in the gym, when you're hiking, right, like our minds are working through things, but were you also pursuing other personal development or um, certifications and stuff like at the same time? Or when did, when did you kind of start making the switch into um, what you do now? If that, I, I don't know if that makes sense. I'm, I'm trying not to like give away everything that I've read about you, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> it certainly does make sense. And, you know, I think that's an important distinction that you're bringing up as well is that like I've undergone this change and transformation, um, but my journey is not going to be someone else's journey. It's not my client's journey. And by no means is this a process of me kind of giving my own success, quote unquote, success model to someone else and just saying like, oh, just do things that make you happy. And all of a sudden, like, you'll be, your life will be better. Like, that's right. not, that's not um, at the heart of deep change and transformation. Um, and so when I made the, made the decision to leave college basketball, it was like this, this sense of moving towards something different, the sense that my mission and purpose had evolved and changed. I didn't quite know what it was at the time, but I wanted to move towards that. Um, how I define that now is developing, uh, developing goodness in ourselves and others. Um, and so I'd started working with others informally towards the end of my time in college basketball. And I was seeing um, how others in the profession were undergoing you know, similar thoughts, reflections that I was having. And I kept thinking that um, what if there was someone like me that I could have reached out to that I knew a little bit more um, about or of that would have, uh, you know, helped me I was, as I was going through this time. And I did work with someone during my time in, in Cornell to kind of help me make meaning out of everything and what I wanted it um, to be. Um, as I define coaching now is giving time, space, and opportunity to learn about um, you know, to learn about yourself. That's what this person helped do for me. Um, so as I made that transition out of college basketball, I found, um, you know, I, I knew that if I was going to be working with others, like it had to be legitimate. It had to be real. It couldn't just be my journey to say, hey, let's just do the things that I did. Um, mm -hmm. Because when, when we leave our paths or stray from it or whatever it might be, um, a reason for leaving that path is following the success models of others. And then to just attach ourselves to a different success model is not a, is not a solution to the problem that we're having. It just leads to that in a different form. Even if it is more efficient or a better tactic or a better strategy, we're still following someone else's path um, and not our own. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I did move into, uh, you know, certification programs for coaching um, I found I moved down to Houston, Texas at the time, which is where I'd done my undergrad and worked at Rice um, and was enrolled in um, Rice University's Coach Rice Leadership Coaching Program through the Dower Institute for new leaders there on campus and uh, became a certified leadership coach um, at the time. I believe that was December of 2018 was when the certification um, was finished. And then I started um, my journey as well towards my um, associate certified coach credential through the International Coach Federation. Um, so Rice's program is International Coach Federation ICF aligned um, or ICF accredited. And the ICF is the world's you know, kind of largest and most recognized governing body for professional coaches. Um, so move towards you know, my uh, ACC credential, which I have now and you know, have my leadership coaching certification and 
I'm also enrolled um, in Gonzaga's organizational leadership master's program, and um, I'm doing the servant leadership concentration there as well. Um, so after I left college basketball, that pivot was made, you know, fully into like, all right, if I'm going to do this, like, we're going to do this. And that means that, um, you know, I have to become educated on what's happening and develop different skills and capacities. Because, you know, I was seeing that while I, you know, I had been coaching for so long, you know, my entire career, if you will, has been coaching in some form. Mm -hmm. But the definition of coaching in athletics and the practice of coaching in athletics, um, or even how we associate coaching is very different. Um, and the skills and capacities required are very different in the world of professional coaching in terms of working with others when we think of executive coaching or leadership coaching or things like that. So as I was seeing that, I said, okay, um, you know, I need to, I need to learn more about this. And so that, that's what that quest became. And, you know, how do I best fulfill this mission and purpose of developing goodness in ourselves and others? And, you know, I saw that what was required of me was to, to move towards these areas. Yeah, so it's interesting you brought that up because I, I actually, that was one of my questions um, that I've been wanting to ask is, do you see parallels between your work as, a, as an athletic coach and now as a leadership coach? Um, like, do you think your experience as an athletic coach, even though it is different and a different approach, helps you and informs your process now? Do you find yourself drawing on some of those same things or do you think it's like completely different? It's like a different life almost yeah um and that's a great question and in many areas they are a different life in many areas they are somewhat similar um, and so you know when when we what i found was that when i was coaching athletics um you know i was being i was being paid to have the answers uh, and and hmm. uh the parallel for for coaching and athletics a lot of time is teaching or it's the instructional model where this person has expertise and this person has the answers um, and, you know, we go to them or they're recognized for having the answers, um, you know, athletics and in basketball, I think of the coach on the sideline drawing up the game winning play. Um, and I think it's oftentimes what we think is his game plan, his strategy, his answers or her answers are what, you know, leads to the result to the success. Um, like I said, coaching as I define it now, um, and as aligned with, you know, the ICF models giving clients or others time space and opportunity to learn about themselves in order to act impactfully in the world and so there's like a different stance that's required and different skills and capacities that are required in each coaching now is more of a function of listening um, it's more a function of developing trust and intimacy with a client and certainly that trust and intimacy piece carries over to teaching in an instructional model coaching now is much more about serving someone, empathy and compassion, meeting them where they are, um, and working with them to find the path forward that's, that's right for them, rather than saying, rather than developing trust and intimacy, so then I can then present my plan to that person, right. which might be viewed as the teaching um, and the instructional model. I was fortunate enough to work at developing some of these capacities during my second year um, at Cornell, as I was working with others, it became less about my plan and my tools and my strategies for their success, and much more about meeting them where they were, where they were, and um, just asking the question, you know, what what does this person need from me right now? Um, how can I best serve them? Um, and so I was I was fortunate to have a bit of that crossover and a bit of the parallel 
Um, you know, but sometimes relying on that instructional model might um, lead me to offer solutions or advice to a client that that just isn't called for in the relationship that I have with clients now. Um, so certainly there are some things that I draw on and rely on for my time in competitive athletics. Um, but for the most part, uh, the journey since then of developing different skills and capacities has been, I don't want to say removed from that because it can never be completely removed. Part of right. who I was then, you know, informs the fullness of who I am now. And, sure. and seeing how um, I felt when others tried to offer solutions and advice for me uh, allows me to, to empathize with the client better now. Um, but at the same time, like they are very different skills and capacities in the instructional model is not what I operate off of when I'm working um, with a client um, through my business now. I love hearing you say that because, and, and I don't mean to sound, I, I try not to sound like negative or judgmental about it, but the, the coaching industry, quote unquote, now, um, everybody is a coach. I don't know if you've noticed this, right? right? But everybody is a coach. And that's great. Like we need coaches. But a lot of people jump into it not truly understanding what coaching is. And I'm and I'm calling myself out too, because when I first started working with clients in an advisory capacity, instead of just doing, like I started doing like consulting work for them, writing, social media management, that's how I got started. And then I was like, okay, I want to you know scale my business and I want to start working with people in a way where I'm not just trading hours for dollars and kind of doing, and I got, you know, um, sucked into the whole coaching world. And what it truly isn't though, it's not coaching. Like advising isn't coaching. Consulting isn't coaching. Um, mentoring isn't necessarily coaching, right? And so I think it's just such an important distinction because we have a lot of people out there who are offering their strategies and their plans and calling themselves coaches. And it really kind of muddles <laughs> for people, right? Like what coaching is and what they're investing in, what, what their expectations are. So I'm just really happy to hear you say that. And I know a lot of my listeners are coaches as well. So I think it's just um, good for people to kind of think through like what it means and like maybe think about like how we're labeling ourselves. So. Yeah. I mean, and you bring up like a really interesting distinction and a really valid one. And that's what I was seeing as I was making my transition as well. You know, it's, you look online um, and that's where a lot of coaching is done. And I mean, let's face it, like that's a, a large part of my business as well. And I work with others remotely and as we seek to distinguish and brand ourselves, but I think of like a business coach or a sales coach or someone like that. And oftentimes the coach and the instructional model is someone who is in that career for multiple years and then leaves and, you know, it's, they're, they're better able to, to consult or work with others, but essentially it's their success model packaged in different ways to then, uh, you know, work with different clients on. And, you know, that's a consulting model, a mentoring one, um, you know, the instructional model. And, and that's not what coaching as the ICF defines it. And as mm -hmm. I define it in terms of time, space, and opportunity to learn uh, about ourselves, to act impactfully um, in the world. Um, and so, yeah, like there's an important, dis you know, uh, distinction there to be made in the word coach is, is very buzzy and like you said it's it's all over the place um but as i alluded to earlier and as i mentioned earlier when you know when um you know when the essence of our problem is one of straying from our path um of not learning about ourselves and following someone else's line 
to then engage in a relationship based on consulting, on mentoring, and on on um, following solutions from others is then to continue the same mistakes of our past and not engage in that personal change and transformation process. Um, you know, it's it's the the outside in approach versus the inside out approach. On um, the inside out approach of learning about ourselves first and then figuring out, you know, how do we move this forward into the world um, is one that's generative. It's one that is creative. Is one that allows for infinite possibilities and potentialities of who we could be um, while the outside in approach while it may result in success in some capacity and even fulfillment like uh, i'm not you know it, it can result in a lot of wonderful things um, but it caps who we could be you know it caps the potential for who we can be um, and it ties us to those uh, solutions as well um, so i think it's an inherently limited approach um, versus the um, versus the generative and creative approach of inside out um, development and the coaching work that, that we're speaking about here. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and one of the words that stood out to me from, from your journey and what you're describing now, because, you know, a lot of people call it transformation, you've just called it transformation, but also, as you and I talked about, it was a reconstruction, right? And mm -hmm. a reconstruction is something that has been rebuilt after being damaged or destroyed. And um, now I definitely see, right, how that aligns with like your experience. And is that the capacity now that you also help leaders? So let, let's talk about, I guess, like who your clients are now. And is it that they've gone through maybe a uh, you know, whether it's a quarter life, I, I don't want to like, you know, generalize, but whether it's a midlife crisis, a quarter life crisis, or just them saying, you know, I don't know if I'm on the right path anymore, whatever that looks like, kind of tell us a little bit about your business now, who you're working with. Um, and if it's the same idea of reconstruction. Yeah. Um, so it definitely is that same idea of reconstruction, you know, and we spoke about it before the recording here is that reconstruction is one of the stages in uh, the Ignatian spiritual exercises and these these four questions and it starts with deconstruction what don't I want and then the next phase is reconstruction what do I want um, it then moves into choice what is required of me in, in integration how does this affect who I am becoming um, but for the most part the the people who I work with and this is individuals organizations and teams um, are those who are wanting to to grow beyond in some capacity, people who are recognizing that, hey, th you know, these success models of others that I've followed or whatever it might be, it does place a limit on where, on where I am and who I can be and where I can go. And this recognition that I'm wanting to grow beyond in some way, um, whether it's I've gotten to a place in my career and I'm not really knowing how to advance past that, or I've gotten to a place in my life and I'm looking around and I'm seeing like, um, what do I care about and where do I go next and who, and who, I, who am I? And struggling with these big questions that are kind of um, uh, an outgrowth of this outer pull um, of circumstances that, that say, hey, I'm not sure where I am and what the next path and what the next step looks like and where I want to be in this inner push of, you know, recognizing that they're um, that the tools that they have and who they are and their skills and capacities aren't quite um, equipped, you know, that, that they're not equipped to meet those challenges, so to speak, to meet what life's requiring from them. Mm -hmm. um, so those are, you know, those are the clients that, that, that I'm seeing and those are, you know, that's who I'm working with 
Um, currently, you know, for the most part, it's anyone who, you know, who I wish to be working with is anyone who's willing to like embrace this really tough and difficult inner work because um, it is difficult. Um, and there are certainly many, um, many bumps and twists and turns uh, like along the path. Um, it's not the easy one of like, hey, yeah. these are these are the prescriptions for you and we're just going to follow this and everything's going to be great. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, I love that because I mean, I, I can relate just as someone who the journey of entrepreneurship, starting your own business, growing your own business, you have to do so much inner work, but it's not if you're not getting someone's help, if you're not being guided by, by someone else, um, it's a lot. And the, the, it's difficult. It's difficult to go it alone. So I think it's, it's really, really important what you're doing. Um, what, and, and, and I'll, Aaron, if yeah, you don't mind, I'll yeah, hop in here too. And, you know, I love that, that, you know, vision or that imagery that you had of the guide. Um, and, um, you know, how I view myself in the relationship with a client is someone who's like walking alongside them and more oftentimes behind them on their path. Um, like these shifts and these steps to take, you know, like these shifts in, in who we are and our skills and capacities ultimately come from within us. But to do them alone is like very daunting. It's really challenging. And there are a lot of questions to, to ask and to develop responses to and how do we make meaning out of any out of everything that's going on um and so coaching support is just critical in that regard as i'm mm -hmm. returning to time space and opportunity to learn about ourselves and so my position in the relationship is not one uh, ahead of a client to say come follow me this is where we're going or to point and say go there it's to be alongside or behind and to ask the client questions um, mm -hmm. to, just, to just learn from each other and how do we make meaning together um, of what's along this path while recognizing that the journey um, is ultimately um, the client's and not my own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really important that you do repeat that message because it, it reminds me of, and I'm probably going to butcher it, but I have a, a good friend who's a wonderful coach and I keep joking that she's going to invoice me for all the free coaching she did that right. I get out of her. But um, she described it as, you know, for people to understand, again, I'm probably going to butcher this, but it's something like, you know, a consultant um, or I, I, I think she said like a consultant, it, is like riding the bike for you or 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 like a freelancer's riding the bike for you right and a consultant is maybe there um teaching you how to ride the bike and telling you do this do this and then a coach is like kind of walk like you said walking beside and encouraging and saying well what do you think you know kind of asking the important mm -hmm. questions it was, it was something like that she'll probably listen yeah. to this and be like you totally butchered it but yeah. it was something like that and i think it's it's a very important message um, like you said, is time, space, and opportunity. Is that what, yeah. yeah, I think that's so important because a lot of people reach out to a coach or a so-called coach or whatever, and say, I want you to help me figure out like what I'm supposed to be doing, where I'm supposed to be going. And it just, it's not going to work because nobody's way of doing anything is necessarily going to be able to be directly applied to someone else's life. We're not the same people, right? That, that model's just not going to work. So no, I think it's really important. I love that you shared that. Um, and it sounds like you're doing amazing work. So I'm definitely, you know, interested in following your journey more. So mm -hmm. tell me, uh, cause I know that you mentioned that you're a Lululemon ambassador and yeah. I want to make sure that we, we hit on that because I'm interested in how it kind of fits in with, with the rest of your story. For sure. I mean, and, and this was an opportunity that I certainly didn't seek out. And, you know, I, I am grateful to hold this position a, as an ambassador. 
Um, you know, my, my previous life had been Nike and Adidas and all these years of basketball and competitive mm-hmm. athletics. And I think I owned two pieces of Lululemon clothing before I was approached with this opportunity. Um, Lulu, as I came to learn and appreciate about Lululemon is that they are a brand and an organization that I see as, as, um, you know, as engaging and serving leadership. They stand for a mission and purpose that is other than their own. Um, and something that they represent is what they call the sweat life, which is sweating, growing, and connecting. Um, so sweating, you know, pushing our body through sweaty pursuits and physical activity, growing, you know, the quest for personal development um, and connecting and engaging in community. Um, and, you know, they reached out to me because of my alignment on that spectrum of sweat, grow, and connect. Um, I coach CrossFit part-time and that's part of what I do. And that's been my background. And, you know, there, there is some engagement of like, Hey, the work that I do is for, um, you know, it is for some performance out in the world as well. Um, and, you know, I do work with a number of clients who are in the sweat arena, whether they're in the CrossFit space or in competitive athletics. Um, and because of my background, I might have um, a certain, uh, you know, it might be easier for that type of client to reach out to me if they're, mm-hmm. you know, engaged in that work. Um, but obviously, as a leadership and personal development coach, like my life is and what I want it and two things that I would like for it to be about are growing and connecting. Um, that's certainly the core of, of, of what I, you know, the work that I do as a leadership and personal development coach. And so this relationship as an ambassador for Lululemon um, is about furthering those values in, in the community and in the area in which um, I live and hopefully um, continuing to, to celebrate those values and allowing others to engage in them more. Yeah, no, I love that. That's great. I'm pretty familiar with Lululemon. I actually used to work with, um, I worked at a spin studio here in the Seattle area mm-hmm. and we had some sort of partnership, I suppose, with Lululemon where they're, they're, um, teams could come in and ride and they often did team rides and they that was something that really stood out to us um from from the outside of lululemon seeing them come in and and do like a lot of team stuff and and like you said growth and and there was a bigger focus than like you're just just an employee right so yeah yeah. there's a bigger focus than just being an employee and there's a bigger focus than just selling workout clothes or yoga pants or you know even now their 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 men's line has has expanded so much and you know i'll be you know i i wear i wear all their stuff you know all all the time you know even when i'm not working out um and and this isn't meant to be like a personal ad for them right Um, right. but but they do represent so much more than um just a place to work um or just uh you know selling yoga pants or workout clothes um and as someone whose work is engaged in servant leadership and serving others and representing a mission and purpose that's beyond myself. Um, I see that in their organization um, as well. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, yeah, very cool. Congratulations on, on that. That's big. Um, and then I don't want to put you on the spot, but before we wrap up, if there is anything, if people are kind of resonating with your message and they're like, I'm unhappy with where I'm at, or I want to, you know, grow beyond, what is the first step even if they're not ready to engage a coach yet, like what would you recommend for them as a first step to sort of start exploring what they can do to, to, you know, change the direction of their life? Um, Yeah. One of the, that's a, that's a great question. You know, a first step to take, um, I think cultivating a pause and cultivating stillness is something that uh, might be very large there. 
um, as I reflect back on my own journey and we mentioned returning to things that made me happy, but the first moment was stopping to pause and say, hey, what is going on here? And allowing those big questions to settle in um, and to resonate from deep within me and whatever those questions were, allowing them to like emerge. Um, and that only comes from stillness, that only comes from pausing, that only comes from stopping this frantic notion of needing to be the doer all the time um, and letting those really uncomfortable questions and those uncomfortable feelings like arise and settle from um, you know within us. That might mean like not going online or not engaging in social media, not looking for the next like Instagram grab or post or inspirational message or whatever it might be. Um, you know that can only come from within us. So as un as uncomfortable as it might be to to kind of stop and pause and just you know and, and allow those questions to sit um, and resonate. Um, you know, amongst you, you know, within yourself and from there, you know, engaging in those feelings, engaging in those emotions, engaging in those reflections and allowing those to, um, to guide or engender the next step. Mm -hmm. No, that's fantastic advice. And I, I have a feeling maybe you and I have some personality similarities because you're like speaking to me. Um, I worked with a coach once who, and she did give me an assignment, but I needed it. It was like, you know, we were having these conversations and it was very similar to what, what you're saying. Like, I'm very driven. I always am looking ahead. My number one Clifton strengths finder strength is futuristic. So it's always like next thing, next thing. And I really was struggling. And she said, okay, so if she, and then I told her, I said, I don't even have like the stillness to do yoga. And she goes, well, then that's what you need to do. <laughs> do five minutes of yoga every morning for just for a week, just try it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is torture. But it forced me to slow down and let the, like, let things kind of settle and, 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 you know, have the time, like you said, take pause to actually reflect on how I'm feeling and where I'm at. So I think that's fantastic advice. Um, you know, whether it's a morning routine, whether it's five minutes of yoga, whether it's journaling, whether it's hiking, it doesn't matter. Um, I just think that is, yeah, fantastic place to start. Thank you for sharing, mm -hmm. Adam. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so where can people find you? Because I know we're gonna have people who are super interested to learn more about what you do and, and hear more about your story. Yeah, um, thank you. You know, the, the first is my website, which is adamgcoaching.com, uh, A-D-A-M-G-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G.com. Um, and, and I want this website as much as possible to be a resource for anyone who's looking to engage in leadership and personal development. So certainly there's my story and my background, um, you know, everything about my business as well and how I work with clients and some of the frameworks that kind of guide, um, you know, that, that I use during our time together, you know, in a coach-client uh, relationship. Um, but there's also a learn section which has articles and resource, you know, articles that, that I write and some more of my own perspective um, on leadership and personal development and then resources for others, which are updated weekly with um, read, watch and listen. Um, so read is going to be books that, um, you know, that that provide a leadership and personal development perspective that I believe is worthwhile. Um, you know, watch are going to be short clips or movies or TV shows that I think also might, you know, people might uh, benefit from in some aspect that might serve others. Um, and then same thing with listen, which are going to be podcasts or podcast episodes um, that I think might provide a message of service there. 
And so in totality, the website hopefully is a leadership and personal development resource for others. Um, and again, uh, it's adamgcoaching.com. Uh, and then as well, social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, are all the places that you can find me, um, the spelling of my last name and will be on this episode, you know, but yep. spelling of my last name is Gearlock, G-I-E-R-L-A-C-H. On Instagram, it's at adam.gearlock. Um, and then LinkedIn and Twitter is, you know, just Adam Gearlock. Um, and they should be somewhat easy to find there. But yeah, uh, Instagram is the primary one. Uh, LinkedIn, yeah. Twitter would be the next, it would be the next two places um, in addition to my website. Perfect. Yeah, your website website sounds great. Too many people overlook um, the benefit of actually using their website as a resource. You know, people think blogging's dead, and that's a whole other conversation. But um, maybe the old way of thinking about blogging. But certainly, your website is should be the place where people can go and and learn and get to know you better and get to know your framework. So it sounds like you've done amazing work there, and I'm excited to dig in a little bit more. I'll leave all of those links to your website, social media, everything in the show notes. So people can reach out, follow Adam, um, get to know more about, like I said, your story and your frameworks and maybe use some of those um, resources. I'm definitely looking forward to checking them out. So thank you so much for being on today, Adam. I'm so glad we connected. Yeah. So am I, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me. And again, I'm so grateful to be here and to, uh, you know, and to engage in your questions and, you know, with your, with your listeners and, um, it's just a real, um, I, I have so much appreciation for, for what you do and, uh, and for the opportunity here. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe and tell your friends. If you want to learn better branding and communication skills or more about this podcast, please visit www.candidlyerin.com or just say the word podcast.com. You can also find me everywhere on social media at CandidlyAaron and make sure to use the hashtag just say the word in your social media posts so I can see your stories of resilience, transformation, and lessons learned because your story matters. Remember, your story is your legacy. Everybody has a story and the world should hear yours.